Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Nothing but sports podcast. I'm Rahel Jazzle, episode 58. We're just going to jump straight into it. Three topics to talk about, two in the MLB. Actually, two topics to talk about, two both in the MLB. And then, of course, the picks. Another bad week for me in the picks. Um, it's been a bad couple, three weeks, but everything has sort of become extremely unpredictable with how the season has gone. But uh, let's get started. So we'll start with the MLB awards. The awards were announced Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, and MVPs. I'm going to talk about the Cy Youngs and the uh, league MVPs. So let's start with the um, American League Cy Young. A lot of people, this one is sort of, I'd say it got the most talk. A lot of people, you know, so it went to Robbie Ray, and a lot of Yankee fans are saying that it should have gone to Cole because of outside the ERA, outside of the ERA, pretty much every single category Cole was leading. But I'm going to have to agree with the voters here. I don't think Garrett Cole deserved the Cy Young Award. I think Robbie Ray deserved it way more, and here is why. Garrett Cole, in my opinion, was just way too inconsistent this year. He was up and down, up and down. You know, he started off the season unbelievable. Then he had that stretch where he really struggled. Then he, of course, pitches the, the brilliant game in Houston. And then, you know, looks dominant again towards the end of the season, just completely falters. While I thought Robbie Ray maintained a more consistent sort of pace throughout the whole season. And I think, you know, a difference in a 2.84 ERA and a 3.23 ERA is a big difference. So I really think that the vote the voters got it right. And I know a lot of Yankee fans are probably thinking, what, what are you talking about? Garrett Cole was clearly the Cy Young. No, he was not. Um, I think I think he still had a good season. You know, for any other pitcher, that'd be a good season. But for him, it was considered a down year. So I think the committee got it right, or the, the voters got it right in um, giving it to Robbie Ray. And I know that comes as a surprise. You know, you know, you'd think I'd come on here and say I thought Garrett Cole deserved it. But, you know, he had some phenomenal pitching displays at the nine-inning game in Houston. But, you know, there was the one against the Rays. He gave up 10 in the, I think, seven in the first innings. And then there was the one against the Indians and, of course, the wildcard game. We don't even factor in the wildcard game because Cy Young is regular season stats. But I just don't think he ever reached the superb dominance that he did in Houston and his time with the Yankees so far. But I think that'll come next year. But I think they got it right with the um, Cy Young. Um, and same thing with the National League Cy Young. And now with the MVPs. So with the NL, Bryce Harper. Um... You know, this one I could see a lot of people, you know, I think this is the most split voting-wise. A lot of people maybe thought um, Juan Soto. I maybe would have given it to Juan Soto. I have no problem giving it to Harper. I think uh, Soto's stats were um, sort and his chances were sort of degraded because he plays for the Washington Nationals. But to me, that really doesn't have any impact because the Cy Young is an individual award. It's not a team award. So... But I guess you could say Soto, sh- and you know, it's really hard for a baseball player to carry a team. But you know, Bryce Harper played unbelievable. He had a, uh, he actually had a better. Both the guys had a monster second half of the season. But I think Harper actually did have a little better stat wise. So I guess you could say, you know, I'm sort of on the fence with this one. But I got, I ain't got no problem with Bryce Harper being named the MVP. That's his second one. I think, uh, you know, apology. You know, Bryce Harper kind of proved this was a huge season for him. But because. You know, he had that one good MVP year, and ever since then, he's been fine. But, you know, I, I've i been included in this calling him extremely overrated just because he hadn't done much outside that MVP season or, you know, he hadn't had another MVP season. So for him to come, you know, he's on that 13-year contract, and in the second year of that, win an MVP, Phillies could not sustain their level down the stretch. Um, 
You know, it ended up going to the Braves, who ended up shocking the world and winning the World Series, which I still don't know how that happened. But, uh, yeah, and as, you know, Tatis was brilliant this season, but he just, you know, the injuries didn't help him, and he was just too incon, just towards the end of the season, just fell off a lot with the injuries. He also had a lot of errors in the field. He had a lot of errors throughout the whole season, but at first it was looking like Tatis was going to run away with the um, MVP, and I thought he was, but um, it uh, and unfortunately didn't happen. Injuries, like I said, got to him, but, you know, his hitting sort of just plummeted. The home run stopped coming. <laughs> he, he went through a horrible slump. So I think Bryce Harper did deserve it in the end. Maybe you could have given it to Juan Soto, but I think I'm going to agree with this, and I think I'm going to agree with this. I really don't think they got any of the voting wrong. And lastly, AL MVP. I know there was a lot of push for Guerrero at the end of the season. And I said, the only way Vladimir Guerrero Jr. can take this MVP away, in my opinion, is if he wins the Triple Crown. And he didn't win the home run race. He didn't lead the league in RBIs, and he didn't lead in average. So he actually didn't lead in any of the categories. He was still top three in all, uh, top five in all of them, but he didn't lead any, uh, lead any, and I think he needed to get the Triple Crown in order to do it. <clears throat> it would have been the first, it would have been not only a, a triple crown, but it would have been one of the first, I think maybe the first triple crown in God knows how long for him to do it, not just leading the American League, but leading the entire MLB. That would have been something unbelievable, but <clears throat> it did not happen. It, it could have happened, but it didn't. Salvador Perez got him in the uh, in the chase for the, and won the home runs and the RBIs. I think he might have led the the league, the American League in batting average, but I think Otani overtook him. Not Otani, um, Soto overtook him in the uh, National League for batting average. So, um, that's why. And I mean, let's be honest, Shohei Otani. I don't think we were any of us were expecting this. You know, we all had known about Otani's hype, like, oh, you know, he's the pitcher hitter. But then he got Tommy John surgery, and he didn't pitch all of last year and the year and the year before that. So you're thinking. Oh, is he really, you know, is he, is he really going to do this? You know, is he really going to stay pitching? And he did, and he did it the entire season, and he pretty much stayed healthy for the entirety of the season. The only injury I could think of is when he got hit with the foul ball. I mean, he got hit by a pitch with the ball. But this dude was, this dude completely, I mean, we're not, I mean, I'm not talking about his play on, you know, just what he did for baseball this year was so unbelievable. He got normal people on the radio talking about baseball and I mean, he hit 40-plus home runs this year, and I know it downgraded in the second half of the year, but he still hit 40-plus. And then he also had an ERA in the mid-threes, which is above league average and is toward the higher spectrum. And I think in his last 10 starts, he went like 8-2. and two. He won like six straight, seven straight games where he struck out 8-plus. He really should have had more wins on the season, but because the, the Angels' bullpen was so bad, they just couldn't hold the lead. And... Yes, he had a couple bad games. You know, the Yankee Stadium game was not great. But after that, he was pretty solid. You know, every pitcher has bad starts. But otherwise, that he was pretty solid. He had a good start against Boston. After that, he had a couple great starts against some divisional opponents where he pitched seven innings, gave up one run. But then the bullpen completely collapsed. He he literally did it all this year. He he pitched, he hit, he played the field. And also, he ran, people don't realize how fast of a guy he is. He clocked 30 miles an hour or close to that. He clocked, you know, I don't remember how much, but he clocked that 28 to 29, 30 range on a ground ball to first base. Dude's an athlete. He was unbelievable. He was also very good when it came to being, as far as, you know, stealing bases. I think his ratio was not as good as 
start um the other guys, but I think he was top five in ratios of stealing bases. So <laughs> he literally did it all. He did all the stages. He pitched, played the out, pitched and played the field and did unbelievable. He hit unbelievable and he ran the bases at a very high level. There's just no way you can beat that. <laughs> so sure, I mean, he won every single vote. I mean, much deservedly so. We're going to see. I think now the big question for the Angels is just can they keep Mike Trout healthy? Because if they can, him and Otani will be unbelievable. And also people don't realize Otani was their best hitter when Trout got injured and their best pitcher. He was both of them. So he was pretty much the Angels' whole team. (coughs) Which is unbelievable to think about that one player could be your whole team because they do both positions. But absolutely fantastic season. It was a runaway, in my opinion, for MVP. Next up. We're going to do one more MLB talk. We're going to talk about the Yankees. Um, I haven't talked about them much ever since the playoff disappointment, but, you know, there's been a lot of talk. You know, they've reports been coming out. They targeted Matt Ol- they've targeted Matt Olsen, looking at Corey Seager. Um, you know, they didn't designate, uh, designate. They pretty much got rid of Clint Frazier and Tyler Wade. I'm so happy Clint Frazier's gone. Didn't I expected that to happen. I didn't think, I didn't think Tyler Wade would go, but he's gone. And there's been reports that they're interested in Matt Olson. I like Matt Olson. I just don't know how he'd fit in. He's the first baseman. If they want to bring Rizzo back, they do that. I guess maybe you can put um, Olson at the DH as your new DH, and then do you trade Voight? Or, you know, I think the biggest need for the Yankees right now is uh, a middle infielder, whether that be shortstop or second base. So I can't believe I'm saying this. I would want Correa or Seager but it's looking like Carlos Correa is a done is done deal. No, he got offered a mega deal in Detroit. He's probably gonna, he might take that there, go to the Motor City. And I think his comments about saying Derek Jeter never deserved any of his Gold Glove awards has kind of sunk his chances at sort of being a Yankee because you can't really come back from that. If you in, you can't be a Yankee after you've insulted Derek Jeter, <laughs> that's just <laughs> that's just not how ha- that's just not gonna happen. You're not gonna be a Yankee if you do that. I guess he doesn't want to be a Yankee. Um. You know, you can say all you want about Carlos Correa. I've come here on the show, on my podcast here. I've completely bashed him, but he's one of the best at his position in the league as far as hitting and fielding goes. You know, as annoying as it is to say as a Yankee fan, he's still unbelievable without the trash cans. The Astros hitters are still brilliant without the trash cans and the the, the whole science thing. I don't think it even, um, you know, th- th- I think this year and last year sort of proved that that they're still great with they're still great hitters. So I would have loved, you know, if you know, I would have loved to see him. I still think now the best target if Correa has gone is Corey Seager. Played for the Dodgers. Um, he didn't have a great postseason, but I got some big hits for them. Has been solid over the last couple of years. So Corey Seager for me is the number one target. And we'll see what they do in the pitching side. Uh Barrios has signed a mega extension with the Blue Jays. And um just recently uh Verlander decided to go back to the Astros. So I really don't know who the Yankees are gonna put at the pitching position. Uh, maybe Tanaka. I'm I'm more than happy to bring Masahiro Tanaka back to the Yankees in New York if he wants to come back. I'm more than ha- we're, I think the Yankees would be more than happy to do that. But we're gonna see interesting stuff for the Yankees going forward. Now, now that's out of the way. That's sort of a very short topic. <clears throat> Let's move into the NFL pick. So last week I went five, seven, and one. I counted it as a tie. Steelers and um, Lions tied. I decided to put that as a tie instead of a loss. Because, well, because they tied. So, 5-8-1, sorry. 7-7 seven seven week 9, 6-9 six week 8. So, the last three weeks have not been great. I start off the week 1-0 and because oh, I knew the I, I would pick the Patriots to beat the Falcons. Didn't think it would be 25-0, but um, 
I did pick the Patriots to win, so let's get into the picks this week. Um, Bills versus Colts. Interesting game. <coughs> I do. T- <coughs> Sorry, I think the Colts are a lot better of a team than a five and five record represents. But that being said, I got the Buffalo Bills. I think last week's win over the Jets. Yes, it was against the Jets, but this people realize you know have to realize. Although the Jets have a terrible, you know, are not a good team, they still I still think they have a decent defense. So to put up for uh, and a defensive minded co- head coach in Robert Sala, who um, really did wonders with that uh, with that San Francisco 49ers defense the year they made the Super Bowl. So to put forty five on um, on a defense like that, I still think is is pretty impressive to do, especially considering how they were to rebound after only putting up six against Jacksonville, who had the league wor- league uh, who had the league wor- the worst defense in the league. So I think last week's game against the Jets was just a nice. Steady the ship, and I think they get a tough win here against Indianapolis. The Colts' defense is built, has the sort of scheme and format to slow down Buffalo. Buffalo has to get some sort of run game, and they have to convert in the red zone. That's been Buffalo's big problem this year, not being able to run the football and settling for three points. And I think they do enough this game. I also think with the way the Bills' defense has been playing, they've been forcing a lot of turnovers. And uh, who, be- if you're forcing a lot of turnovers... Who maybe, you know, maybe the best quarterback to go up against is Carson Wentz, who has having an unbelievable season. He's only thrown, you know, four interceptions on the year, but he loves to turn the football over in big situations. So maybe they get, you know, two or three interceptions off him. So that's why I uh I think um that's why I think the uh the Bills defense does enough and the offense gets a um gets good contributions from everyone. And they get a solid team win over a good Indianapolis team to sort of keep their running. I still think when Buffalo is at its best, right now is probably the best team in the league over the over the Chiefs, over the um, Cowboys, over all those teams. I still think if they're at their best, Buffalo is the best team in the NFL. Next up, Ravens-Bears. Um, I just literally got a remor- report from Bleacher Report saying that Lamar is 50-50 for the game. So... I'm going to assume that he plays, <clears throat> and I'm going to pick the Ravens, and here's why. I know they don't have Hollywood Brown or anything, but they did get a couple of their tackles back. Nick Boyle is back, so they've got a lot of guys back uh, from injury, and I think the Ravens' defense is going to have a good game. You know, Greg Roman likes to dial up a bunch of those random blitzes. I don't think they're going to blitz as much because I don't think they need to, but I think the Ra- you know the Ravens' scheme defensively as far as pass rush goes is going to cause nightmares for a Bears um for a Bears line that has been really bad and really poor this season although they did put in a good effort versus Pittsburgh they probably should have won that game but Pittsburgh sort of just iffy now um you know their defense is starting to get um rack up some injuries but I think Baltimore has this one and if Lamar Jackson does play I think they they will win um, if he doesn't, I think their defense might be able to get a couple turnovers off fields and maybe pick up the win. It'll be a, definitely a lot closer. It'll be a close game if Lamar doesn't play. But um, also, Bears lose Khalil Mack for the season. That's a huge hit to that defense, who is probably you know one of the strongest, maybe the strongest part of that team as far as you know overall goes because their defense is just their defense. Even though they might not rank, you know, might might not be number one anymore. They're still extremely talented, so to Luke's Khalil Mack is a real, real heartbreak for them. So that, so I've got the Ra- all in all with all the injuries going on, I've got the Ravens. Injuries haven't been a problem this year so far for Baltimore. Um, obviously, if Lamar Jackson's out, that's a huge loss. But 
I think Baltimore pulls it out in a tough one. Next one, Lions at the Bears. Um, not the Bears. Lions with versus the Browns. Um, <clears throat> if Cleveland doesn't win this game, then we've got a serious problem. We've got a serious problem, and the Browns have a serious problem if they somehow cannot beat the Detroit Lions. You know, all credit to the Detroit Lions. They play tough. They sort of got rewarded, I guess, for a tie with Pittsburgh. But, they, I mean, I think it has to be Cleveland. For right now, I think the, the one goal for the Lions is just to win a football game. So they'll go 0 17 and 1. Because I genuinely think that could happen. So Cleveland better win this game. Baker Mayfield, you know, saying, oh, I'm banged up. I don't care, man. You find you have to find a way to beat the Detroit Lions. They don't have a great defense. And I know the and Jared Goff, I don't think he's even playing. <laughs> Jared Goff is not playing. So they're going up against the Lions backup QB. I don't know if that's Jeff Driscoll. I'm I'm gonna have to check on that, but I'm, I'm, it has to be Cleveland in this one. Cleveland, if they don't win. Then we've got a serious problem. They already have a problem and a pretty serious problem. If they don't win, then they got a mega serious. Then it's a real, real, real problem. So Brown should win that one relatively easy. Next one, Texans, Titans. I feel like I'm gonna go with the Titans, but I feel like this is a classic example of a uh, of a trap game for the for the Titans. You know, Julio Jones just hit IR. They're not they don't have Bud Dupree. They come off, you know, a solid win against the Rams two weeks ago last week. Eke one out against the Saints, who have a good defense. So to eke out the Saints is a and Sean Payton is always a good win. But um, I feel like this is a trap game for them playing a divisional opponent. Who um, the Texans do have some talent around them with Tyrod Taylor, Brandon Cooks. They do have talent there. But I think Tennessee survives the trap game. You know, I've been somewhat critical of Tennessee for not you know for barely being able to survive games. But a lot of teams this year have fallen into traps in trap games. You know, Denver, you know, the the Cowboys got trapped in the Denver one. Rams got trapped last week against the Niners. Buccaneers got trapped against the um against the against Washington last week. So um and New Orleans the week before. <clears throat> so, a lot of teams have fallen into tra- um the traps of and the sort of the and have sort of fit the um and lost the games they should have won. So you have to give credit to the Titans. They haven't done that. They've picked up good wins over Buffalo. You could argue they could have lost that game, but they picked up good wins over Buffalo, uh, Buffalo and KC. So you have to respect what they're doing at 8-2. and two. I feel like this could be another trap game, but I think they passed the test. I think they might just pass the test, but I think it'll be a lot closer than people think because the Titans always end up in some sort of battle versus the Texans. Now, they don't have Deshaun Watson, but... You know, these divisional games, it can really go either way, no matter how good or bad one team is, just because they're divisional games. It's just a weird thing. But regardless, I've got the Titans surviving the trap against the Texans. They improved to 9-2, nine and, nine and two, keeping their number one seed. Next up, Packers-Vikings. This should be a really good one. To see, you, know, you know, it's classic rivalry. Green Bay-Minnesota. A lot of people think this is the most likely to be an upset, and I agree. I've seen a lot of people actually picking Minnesota. I'm going to still pick Green Bay, and here is why. Okay? Aaron Rodgers did not play well last week. We got that. But he missed the whole week of practice and had COVID and didn't know he was going to play till the Saturday before. That's still a really tough thing to adjust to. And the Aaron Jones injury, only one to two weeks. And losing Aaron Jones is a big deal, but they have A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon is a very capable running back who likes to run downhill, who can give them steady force on the ground. So I think they're going to be okay. 
And here is another reason why. The Packers' defense the last two weeks has played some unbelievable football. You know, I know Russell Wilson was banged up, and the that Seahawks offense was far from 100%, but to still shut out an offense with Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and Russell Wilson is still an achievement, regardless of how injury-prone, regardless of their injury status, because Russell Wilson is still an unbelievable quarterback, and he even when he's injured. So the fact that they were able to shut them out proves that this defense is very good. Also, keep in mind what they did to the Kansas City Chiefs at home. They gave up that huge opening drive, ended in a touchdown. After that, the Chiefs went three and out so many times, and they only held them to 13, and they held them to only 13 points. And this is a KC offense that was, I'm pretty sure, was completely healthy. They might have got their swagger back, but to do that at Arrowhead is a very tough thing to do. So I think because of that and their deep and their defense playing well, I think they're going to take this game over the Vikings. And I do think Aaron Rodgers will be back to normal Aaron Rodgers sort of um sort of situation. Green Bay is somehow doing this with a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball, but I've got the Packers edging one out of the Vikings. It'll be a tough one. You know, people don't realize how well Kirk Cousins has played this year. Kirk Cousins I think has 18 inter- touchdowns to two interceptions, which is unbelievable. He's had a very good season. It's gone under the radar just because the Vikings have had a lot of close losses, but the Vikings are always a dangerous team with that offense and the talent and you know and they the talent they have on defense. But I think Green Bay edges out the skulls in Minnesota and uh and gets the win and continues to expand their lead in the division. All right, next one. Dolphins versus the Jets. <clears throat> I've got the Dolphins picked up a really surprising and good win versus Baltimore last week. The defense we saw from the the Dolphins uh, against the Ravens is the defense I thought we'd see for the entirety of the season, but that has just not been the case. But this is a good stretch for the Dolphins because they picked up the surprise win over the Ravens, and based on their schedule with the Jets and a couple other weak teams coming up, they can get back to that sort of 500 mark, and 500 might be enough to push you to the playoffs, maybe not in the AFC, but to still finish around 500 would be good because keep in mind, the Dolphins go, don't got their first overall draft pick this year, so you can't tank, so you might as well just win games to not give the Eagles a top 5 or 10 pick. I think they're more than I think they're capable of pulling themselves out of the hole. Tua did a good job stepping in when Brissett got injured, um, and I think they get a good win against the Jets. Um, <clears throat> like I said, the Jets' defense, I think, is still respectable, but I just think, uh, also, keep in mind... The Jets are not even starting Zach Wilson or Mike White. They're starting Joe Flacco. There's not Super Bowl MVP Joe Flacco. So Dolphins should really play a solid defensive game and get some good production from two in the offense. And I think it's an overall good team win for the Finns against the Jets um, and Joe Flacco. But hey, if Joe Flacco picks up a win, then that just sums up this this year's season with how crazy it has been and being there being no dominant, you know, with how crazy this year's been and especially the last couple of weeks, Joe Flacco coming in and picking up a win, but I got the Dolphins. I don't have much faith in Joe Flacco. Next up, Saints versus Eagles. Um, I'm going to go Philadelphia. Philadelphia, um, you know, stifled Denver last week, got some big splash plays, especially from Darius Slay. Uh, Darius Slay. Um, Jalen Hurts, I, I said that Jalen Hurts is not the guy. I still stand by that statement, but he did play really well against the respectable Broncos defense without Von Miller, but still, and Patrick Sertan, but still relatively respectable for what they did to the Cowboys. And also, the Saints 
<coughs> I don't know if it's going to be Simeon or Hill starting, but either way, they don't have Alvin Kamara. So ever since Michael Thomas went down, Alvin Kamara has been the focal point of the offense. He's been basically the whole offense. Everything circulates around him and his screen game, his yards after the catch, and his rushing. So the fact that they're missing him again this week, I think Mark, I still really like Mark Ingram, but he is not Alvin Kamara. He's not going to give you the production Alvin Kamara gives you. So the Saints offense is in some real trouble without Michael Thomas for the rest of the season, and now Kamara being banged up. Because the Saints are still in the playoff position. If the season were to end today, New Orleans would actually still be in the postseason. But, I mean, it, it's looking really bad for them. They still have a very good defense, and I think it'll be a relative you know, relatively low scoring game, but I think the Eagles pull it out like 26 to like 26 to 14, 26 to 17. I just don't see where the offense is going to come from, from New Orleans. Now that Alvin Kamara is not there, you know, you could depend on him to give you a steady flow of offense, but now without him, without Michael Thomas and the quarterbacks being situation being a question, I don't know. And not having the, you know, receivers that can bail him out, you know, Simeon or Hill out, I just don't know where the offense comes from for New Orleans. So I got the Eagles winning. Next up, Panthers against the football team or Washington. Ron Rivera versus Cam Newton. <coughs> this is going to be a good game. I really do. I think Ron Rivera's got a lot of schemes that can maybe give Cam Newton some trouble because they know each other so well. But I've got the Panthers. I just think Cam Newton being back and with what he did against the Cardinals just completely rejuvenated, reinvigorated this team. And this franchise, and especially this team that was completely teetering and dying slowly and after starting 3-0, just, just keep nosediving, nosediving into the plane. I think Cam Newton's sort of giving them a nice little second win boost, and I think they pick up the win against Washington, and here's why. All right, you know, we can say, oh, you know, the Panthers, you know, the one thing we've been saying the last couple weeks is they have a top 10 defense. They're pretty much top 10 in almost every category. They just need some competent and steady quarterback play. I think Cam Newton gives that. And you keep in mind, Washington's offense is not the best. It's actually one of the worst in the league. Um, it's, it's, I almost say it's, actually, it's, you know, it's, it's towards the bottom tier of the league. So going up against a tough defense like that, I think it's going to be tough for Washington to move the ball. Also, Washington does have a good defense, but they've just got word that Chase Young is, uh, is, um, is out for the season. Which is a real bummer for Washington because they were fine because they played a great defensive game against the Buccaneers last week. But I've got the Panthers doing it just because I don't see the Washington football team being able to move the fo- moving being able to move the ball enough to get enough you know move the ball enough to put any sort of tough pressure on Cam Newton the Panthers. So I'm taking Carolina in this one and they and they get and they uh, I've got Carolina in this one. And Newton gets the win in his first game as a starter. Next up, 49ers, uh, Jags. Jags have been playing some really good football recently. Two wins out of the last four. They played the Colts tough. But the way the Niners played against the Rams, that almost looked like that was shades of the Niners when they uh, when they went to the Super Bowl. That was um, really impressive to... Uh, to see what they did to um, a very good Rams team. Now, the Rams are uh, stumbling a little bit, but that was still very impressive. Debo Samuel was unbelievable in prime time. Jacksonville, like I said, isn't playing better, but because of the performance I saw the Niners put together against the Rams, I've got to go with San Francisco. They're not out of it just yet. They're 4-5, and five, and if they can run... I know Elijah Mitchell's not playing, but 
Kyle Shanahan's system is just built for running backs. Jeff Wilson, so Wilson is going to be in at the running back position. I think he's more than capable of not giving him Mitchell production, but still giving him good production off the ground because with the system that Shanahan comes has, the running backs, any running back can sort of do it. It's really, it's really easy to thrive in Kyle Shanahan's offensive system. So I think we see another game plan mastery. I think they run the football effectively. Jimmy G doesn't have to too, do too much as far as you know throwing the ball. It's just one of those classic Jimmy G game manager sort of vibes to the game. And I think because of it, the 49ers get the win and get back to 500 on the season. So the season is not completely lost at this at this point in time. But we'll see. Maybe Jacksonville can pull something off. Next up, Raiders Bengals. Both teams really struggling and really needing a win. Um, I got the Bengals in this one. I mean, I can't trust the Raiders right now with everything that's gone on off the field and the way they were picked apart against KC. It's not that they just lost to KC. You know, if you lost to KC, fine. They got absolutely whooped on national TV at home. If the Raiders were to win that game, it would have been a huge statement. But I just think too many things have gone on off the field for them and the way they were completely whooped against, um against the Kansas City Chiefs and the way they just completely crapped themselves in big games. It's, you know, the Raiders, remember, last couple of years have started off really well. That's why I've, I've been so tough. It's been so tough to buy into them because, like, uh, they always start well, but they always falter. And I think we're seeing another Raiders falter. I think the Bengals get a good win. Um, they put I don't know if they put up the same amount of offensive numbers KC put up, but I think they put up similar numbers. They put up 35, 38 points. Get the Raiders get behind early and can't really do much from there. So Bengals win over the Raiders and end their losing streak. Cowboys versus Chiefs. Uh, I got the the Chiefs in this one because the Cowboys do not have Amari Cooper. He's out for two games with COVID. I know Michael Gallup is back, but I don't know if he's going to be classic. You know Michael Gallup because he's just coming off IR, so it's always tough for receivers. You can't expect receivers to be a hundred percent what they were and have immediate in you know immediate 100 plus receiving yard games when they come off of IR and I think the Chiefs I don't know if they found their swagger but I think they re but you know if they did then they're back you know three and four they won three straight game they've won three straight games they're six and four now defense has been playing a lot better than it did at the start of the season and the way the offense played they looked like the old Chiefs offense against the Raiders and this this is the year that reminds me of the when they won the Super Bowl remember they were they started off a season well. They went through that mid-season slump sort of. They were 6 and 4 at one point. Their defense wasn't playing well, but they were and Mahomes got hurt, but they were able to find a way to win games and they ended up getting to the Super Bowl and they won the Super Bowl. And I'm saying they're going to win the Super Bowl this year, but it's one of those classic things. You just let the champs and the the kings sort of hang around too long and they make you pay for it. So maybe the the Chiefs have done that like you should have put us out of our misery when you had the chance. You should have, as Conor McGregor said, you should have killed me when you had the chance because now I am back. So maybe that's the mantra I get. It's going to be a good game. Could be a good game, but with the injury, with the Amari Cooper coming, uh, being out and Gallup, you know, maybe you know, yes, coming off IR, but maybe not having the biggest effect. And with the way the Chiefs' offense played last week, I think I'm going to go. With Casey, and I'm hoping to because I can't have the Eagles and the Cowboys win in the same week. That would be tough to swallow as a Giants fan. Next up, Sunday night game, Chargers-Steelers. <clears throat> um, this is a tough game to pick because it's so hard to pick both of these teams. 
you know, because the Chargers, it's so hard to pick them just because of how bad their run defense is. But the Steelers' offense, just, it's so tough to pick either of these teams, but I'm going to pick the Chargers, and here is why. Yes, Najee Harris is probably going to have a big game, and the Steelers can run the football against the Chargers if they choose to. For some reason, sometimes the Steelers just don't like to run the ball. But I know Big Ben didn't play last week, but come on, what we saw from the Steelers tying with the Lions was absolutely pathetic. I understand that Mason Rudolph was in, but even with Mason Rudolph, they should find a way to beat the Lions. But it wasn't just Mason Rudolph. The amount of sloppiness you saw, the penalties, the late turnovers, you know, the fumble, it it was just so sloppy from the Steelers that how can you pick them to come out and win a game against a very good team like the Chargers who are going to make you pay? Also, Big Ben has missed most of practice. And we saw what Aaron Rodgers looked like when he missed most of practice last week in Seattle. So maybe this is another dud game offensively for Pittsburgh. And TJ Watt is not going to play. It reminds me of last season. Those injuries are starting to ramp up on the defensive side of the ball. And if the Steelers can't, you know, defense can't stay healthy, it's going to be tough for them to win football games. So I think the Chargers have a solid day on offense without TJ because the Steelers don't have TJ Watt. And the Chargers get a much-needed win on Sunday Night Football after a really tough loss against the Vikings. But the Steelers are more than capable of pulling out because Najee Harris can just take over this game with how bad the Chargers' run defense is. The Chargers' run defense is tough to watch at some points. But I've got them pulling it out over the Steelers on Sunday night. Then Monday night, Giants-Buccaneers. Both teams had their fair share of injuries. A.B. is not going to play. The whole vaccination thing is, I don't know what's going on there. Gronk is still out with the ribs. Giants will probably be without Logan Ryan because of COVID, one of their better cornerbacks. You know, the Giants have played well the last couple of weeks, but I think Tampa Bay is still going to take it. And here's why. I don't think, someone might have to check me on this. This might be wrong, but I don't think Tom Brady has ever lost three games in a row in his career. And it makes perfect sense with the amount of winning he's done. So I don't think he starts now. I don't think this should be an 11-point cover because I think the Giants are more than capable of making this game close. But also, Daniel Jones has never won a game on prime time. He's not really been the best under the lights. So it's really hard for me to pick the Giants to win this game. I do. I am quietly optimistic, I guess, because Saquon Barkley is going to be back. And with the way the defense played against the Raiders, and especially in the red zone, and with the way the Buccaneers look right now. So I think, I think if the... I I think the Giants can maybe pull off an upset, but I'm going to still stick with Tampa Bay just because with the Giants, I'm just not, I'm just don't know what I'm going to get from them, especially the offensive line because the Buccaneers pass rush has not been as good as they were last year, but with how inconsistent the Giants O-line is, it's just tough to pick because no matter how the Buccaneers uh defensive line is playing this year, they're still extremely scary with Vita Vea, with um, Vita Vea, um, Sue, and JPP. It's just really, it's just, they're always really scary no matter how they're playing. And with how inconsistent the Giants' O-line is, we could see a day where Daniel Jones is killed and hit in the backfield like a ton, or we could see a day where he doesn't get touched. So I really have no clue what to what to make of this Giants game. Hopefully, Saquon is back to being Saquon. You know, it was unfortunate he got injured because he was starting to look like himself again, but... I've still got Tampa Bay pulling it out, but who knows? Maybe the Giants can surprise me and pull off a win. I didn't think they'd beat the Raiders, and here we are. But anyway, I don't think I've actually called any of the three Giants wins correctly, which is kind of crazy. And I've called, I think, I've called most of their losses, some of their losses correctly, 
some of their losses correctly, but I've actually been pretty bad when it comes to picking Giants games this year. Maybe I should just pick them to lose every game because whenever I pick them to win, they don't win. But um, anyway, uh, thank you all so much for listening. Um, uh, thank you so much for listening. And yeah, I will see you guys next week.